0: Grab your Bibles. I want you to get ready because I'm going to be preaching in just a moment the anatomy of lostness part three. We've learned a lot over the last few weeks. Worship team, thank you for an unbelievable job. Pastor Eric, all of you guys, incredible, incredible job. If you'd like to be a part of the worship team, see Pastor Eric. And, uh, and uh, he would love to have you on the worship team. And uh, to, to be a part of the rotation and all that kind of stuff. And I think he's pretty cool. He writes me pretty goofy text messages. And um, last night, that was very funny. He wrote me one. Anyway, about 10.30. How many of you know that our series right now is living in HD? The whole year. Living in high definition. The other night, we were watching the basketball game at my house and uh, on Monday night. And uh, all the four came over. We do this once a semester thing where they all come to my house and we eat and we have fun. And... And I kept switching back and forth from regular TV, that old nasty look, to HD. And the girls were mocking me, thinking, because they couldn't see the difference. Gentlemen, how many of you can see the difference in HD? Raise your hand. Exactly. Smackly. That's exactly right. Now watch, because our goal is to bring this Christian walk into high definition. theme bin. Look at the nations. Be utterly amazed, for I'm going to do something in your days that you would not even believe, even if you were told... That's what we're doing. That's what we're believing. I want to tell you something. This is a great-looking crowd this morning, and we are honored that you are here. Would you look around to somebody and say, welcome to the summit? Just do that. And open your Bibles to Acts chapter 8. Acts the 8th chapter. Remain standing for just a moment. No, I'll tell you what. Go ahead and be seated. The subtitle for this morning is simply called "Close Encounters of the God Kind." How many of you remember the 1977 movie "Close Encounters of the Third Kind"? Remember that? It was like one of the first movies on aliens that was really like decent. Steven Spielberg did it, and um, and if you remember, they did they did the music. Remember the music thing? It was like do 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 do. You hear that? They're here. They're here for you this morning. Now watch. God is doing so many amazing things at the summit. Again, pray for the building, all the things that are happening, getting ready for VBS, getting ready for Branded by Fire this summer, this this Tuesday night. The forerunners are going to be at Cultivate doing a big service. It's going to be incredible. In fact, uh, all the Cultivate people, have you all heard about the gathering? You guys heard about the gathering, Cultivate the Gathering? I uh, know, uh, you'll, you'll hear about the gathering. Anyway, it's going to be cool. Open your Bibles real quick to Acts, the 8th chapter. Before we do that, I love what Corey Ten Boom said. Now, many of you, have ever, if you've ever watched The Hiding Place or read the book, The Hiding Place, it's about the Holocaust. Incredible, incredible, life-changing book for me. And one of the quotes that she has always said is, the measure of a life, after all, is not its duration, but its donation. Now, we've been preaching this series on lostness. We've been talking about what does it mean to be a lost person. Last night, they went out on the streets and they were doing some soul winning on the streets uh, downtown uh, with some of the homeless people. That, and uh, they're ministering. They took them sandwiches. I know Reeves and Mike and Alex and a bunch of the, the, the students just decided to load up and just go. And they just, they just went down there. And, and one homeless person said to uh, a couple of the guys that were down there, I think my son and somebody else, he said, He said, I've been reading this book from Oprah and I have decided I am a Christian and a Muslim thanks Oprah thanks way to go how many of you understand how we deal with the spiritually alive will also determine how God trusts us with the spiritually dead see for years I've heard that term church stinks I hate church church is boring why is it that one fourth of our nation that claims to be Christian doesn't go to church Apparently, they've been driving past us for years, going to the psychologist and the psychiatrist, or to the drug, or to the bar, or whatever. Folks, it is time to love the lost again. Are you with me? Now, this may be the most different series you've ever heard, but man, this is burning in me. What God is saying that we have missed it for so many years. In fact, I'm talking about close encounters of the God kind. I've taught you who the lost are. I'll give you a review. In fact, look at Matthew chapter 9. That is our opening text, but then we'll go to Acts, the 8th chapter. Matthew chapter 9, it says this, and I hope you're taking notes. I hope you have your Bible. Your Bible is so important. You need to have it. You need to write in it. You need to mark it up. It needs to be beaten uh, and tore up because you've used it so much. Literally. I go through a Bible about every two years. And on my shelves in my office, there's all kinds of Bibles because I just wear it out. It falls apart after a while. And uh, usually it's from preaching those, those you know, those, those uh, 10 youth camps. And you preach 100 times in the summertime. I just would wear my Bible out because you're preaching two or three times a day at many times. And it would just, just, and I hate it when my Bible wears out. Drives me nuts. Tried to find a place to rebound it because I don't want to have to take and transfer everything over. But watch this. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages teaching in their synagogues preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. How many of you understand? Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest therefore to send out workers into his harvest field it can be boring preaching on the lost because we're so used to hearing sermons about us but you need to understand this is the heartbeat of christ everybody he ate with was a sinner everybody he hung out with was unsaved he was the first one to call the lost person lost I'm reminded of standing in a gym in our gym the why a few months ago and this fellow walked up to me and i was working out and I try to work out at least once a year and it takes a year to recover and all of a sudden he walks up to me and he goes okay pastor i need jesus i went huh I'm trying trying to lift you're, you're bothering me you're, you're interrupting my workout and i need christ he said i've had religion I've had church and I hate church, but I need Christ. Would you pray with me? It's probably one of the first times anybody ever has come to me and said, lead me to him. But that's where we're at in a society. But I'm reminded of walking through a casino in Las Vegas. We had to do out we had gone to do an outreach there. And I'm walking through this casino and there's this kid sitting on the corner of, of, of inside of this beautiful palatial casino. And I walk up to him and I begin to ask him if he knows who Christ is, and all of a sudden he looks at me and he says, "Sir, I don't need your Christ. This is my God. My parents are somewhere in here. Every night we come here, and I have decided that this is my God." Or the guy I was sitting on the plane with right after 9/11, and he begins to tell me his story. Wealthy businessman, he had gotten stuck in the subway just under beneath uh, when the towers fell or they were about to fall and there's a subway that's four stories below the towers there in the city and all of a sudden they were on the train when they got hit his train pulls up underneath tower one and he's hearing cursing and screaming over the intercoms get out of here get out so they ran up four levels of stairs run out the building and as he's running down the street the buildings fall he ducks into a donut shop. This guy's sitting on the plane telling me about this. And I'm sitting there looking at it, and I'm going, Man, that, that it's an unbelievable story. And I go, Don't you know what God did for you? He said, Because just as they got out of the building, the building began to fall. As he was running out, people were falling past him. And he said he actually stepped on a body part. And all of a sudden, I said, Don't you know what God did for you? And he looks at me, and he goes... And he takes the Lord's name in vain and he says, blankety blank. He didn't do that for me. I saved myself. And I looked out the window and I began to weep. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for what you're going to do this morning. Thank you that you're giving us a hunger for the lost. A hunger to be real. A hunger to take the mask off and just get real. Pour out your spirit this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalms 1-1 says this. How many of you are excited about this series? How many of you are going to bring somebody you know next week that may be walking through a tough time or a, a weary time i promise you i'm going to preach a simple word on heaven that will blow their mind if you'll get them here it's what it says in psalms 1 1 blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsels of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners that's what it says we don't get in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of a mocker what the world needs more than nice powerful words great worship and great sermons is somebody that's real It's not about all the stuff we do. It's all wonderful. How many of you understand we are His hands and feet? How many of you understand? It's not can we win the lost, but can we truly show them the sovereignty of God in our life? What He's done in me. What He's done in you. Are we a reflection of His power? Do they see Christ in the Christian? Because that's where they get the word Christian. Christ. Romans 2.24 says they don't. What do you mean? This is what it says. It says the world blasphemes the name of God. And it goes on to say because of hypocritical faith, they have done that. People that aren't real. Colossians chapter 4 verse 5 through 6. Live wisely among those who are not Christians with gracious and effective conversation. That's what it says. I'll say it again. Live wisely among those who are not Christians with gracious and effective conversation. It says be when I saw that this week, when those 555 babies and little girls and women that had been raped and little girls had been forced to have children and had been abused and beaten, and, and one, one girl said this, uh, or they made this statement on, on, on Larry King. She said, well, of those, those kids that were taken off that compound that, that Warren... Um, Jeff's compound, the guy that's the polygamist that's in prison. When it, when all those kids were rescued and you saw them put on the buses and that, that, that demonic mindset that can take and abuse these women and these little girls. And I'm sitting there and I'm so angry as I'm watching it. And one little girl made this statement. They rape our minds, they rape our bodies, and they force us to act alive. So they said. I went to George Barna's website. George Barna is a statistician. He studies the growth of churches and things like that. And uh, and, and this is what he described today's church as. And it ticked me off. I hope you don't mind if I just say that. Can I just get real this morning? He says they're stagnant, they're curious, they're wounded. By the way, if you have not filled out your card uh, or if you have a card and you want to add some more names to it, they're going to take those up right now for me because we need those in the back. If you have not filled one out, hold it up in the air. Maybe you thought of someone else that is lost. We want that card. And and if you've not got it yet or need one, servant leaders, if you'll go grab those from everybody and we'll pass those in right now because we need those at the end of the service. Anybody need those? Make sure we got them all. And you'll see what we do with them at the end. Do you know that there's 6.1 billion people in the world? Do you understand that 1.8 billion are under the age of 15? 1 billion between the age of 15 and 24. In fact, in other words, 47% of the population of the world is under the age of 18. 75% of the population of the world is under the age of 25. Why do you think we go and do these youth conferences still? Now, if you remember last week, I asked you three questions. I asked you the question, do we really want the loss? Because they're going to be a hassle. Because we're going to have to spend time discipling people. It's going to be work. We may have to put up with our quirks. The second question I ask you is, are we? Are you willing to walk in holiness? Don't you dare bring somebody in here and then you not be real about who Jesus is. And then the third question I ask you was, are you excited about your faith? I added a fourth question in my study time this week that I've got to ask you. Are you prepared for a chance Jesus encounter? Because once I've taught you about the lost, once we've got this in our spirit, once we've got past ourselves, got out of the mirror and got out the front door a little bit, or we begin to realize that the very people that are in our lives is our mission field, this is who God's called us to, and, and, and you, you can miss your moment. I have missed my moments, but I'm preaching close encounters of the God kind. When God brings somebody to you, man, you never even, it's out of nowhere. And most of the time, you don't have time for it. It's not going to be easy. He's not going to say, Okay, go sit on the front porch. And you're just sitting on the front porch. I'm going to bring somebody to you. And they're going to walk up to your house, and you're going to tell them about Jesus, and they're going to walk away. No, most of the time it's when you're busy doing something. You're trying to get the, the buggy going. And, and at, the, at the grocery store, it reminds me of the time that Karen was pushing the, 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 the buggy through the store. And, and I've told some of you this, but all of a sudden, uh, Nate was just a baby sitting in the front, just a little, a little tiny baby. And all of a sudden, Karen's got her head down, and there's a little old lady in the middle of the aisle. Folks, there's two aisles, by the way, in the grocery store. Just like when you sit on the plane, you're not supposed to take the whole armrest. I'm just throwing that out, okay? It's free. But anyway, and so Karen is pushing the buggy, and she puts her head down, and this lady won't get out of the way, and Karen goes, move. And all of a sudden, Nate leans up and says, my mama said move. Now, it's probably not a good time to witness after that happens. But God will put chance encounters in your life. Remember we talked about in Luke chapter 15. It's the lost chapter in the Bible. How many of you know God was the first one to call people lost? Now we're going somewhere. I'm going to hurry. So just stay with me. This is in, a, in a, and Really, this is just to get you ready. Because I need to warn you. That after this message, you're not going to be able to look at people the same. You're not going to be able to pass by somebody. Because it could be the moment Folks, when I get to heaven and judgment seat has taken place in the great white judgment and those are being judged for their sin and those are being judged at the, at the seat of Christ are being judged for what they, and I'll explain all of that next week, but they'll, they'll be expl- uh, judged for what they should have done. I don't want to have to apologize to someone because I didn't tell them after i've been preaching this series i walked next door to my neighbors two days ago and said guys i just want you to know i love you god put us beside each other and i don't tell you that enough how much i appreciate you and tears filled their eyes yeah but you know well that's great pastor you're super holy no i've gone a long time besides the occasional hey good to see you as i get in my car as i'm walking out my door what are you talking about remember luke 15 How do people get lost? Remember this. Nobody gets, I'm doing a review, nobody gets lost on purpose. What happened to the little sheep, the little lamb? He wandered off. Got to eating, just wandered off. How many people used to be a believer, but they just kind of wandered off? I've seen it happen. Weariness hits a life junk and struggles and garbage and I prayed and God didn't answer my needs so I used to sit towards the front now I've worked my way towards the back now I'm there periodically or I hardly ever come because that wandering off Well, you're just saying the only way to stay saved is be in church no I'm not that goes against the odds of America right now a fourth of America does not go to church and they claim to be Christians a fourth of all Christians they're done with church but you need church you need this gathering you need this coming together and encouragement. Everybody, see, you, I'm, I'm going to get a soundtrack that says Amen to help you. Okay. You got the lost sheep. You got the lost coin. What does the lost coin represent? Somebody mishandled it. They're lost because they were never taught, or somebody did something, or somebody wounded them. And then we had the prodigal son. Who does he represent? He represents the majority of society that just made up their mind they're going to go do their own thing, and the choices he made did not come into fruition what he thought the end result would be. What do you mean? It all fell apart. He didn't decide. He just wanted to go eat pig slop one day. He made some bad choices. So let's get started. And the problem is so many times we are disconnected from the lost, and we must remember what it means to be lost. We've learned that you don't get lost on purpose. We've learned that they're valuable. We've learned they need direction. We've learned that they don't like weird words or Christian, uh, Christianese or slang. And, and, and we've learned that Jesus was the first one to call them lost. So now what? Now... You're ready for your encounter. What is the definition of an encounter? A meeting. Especially one that is unplanned, unexpected, or brief. Do you know that all through God's Word it's about encounters? Every part of it. Things that weren't supposed to happen. I want you to look at Acts the 8th chapter. I want to read that to you. I want to show you the first evangelist in the Bible. His name was Philip. He's on a journey to evangelize the world. He comes up upon a seeker who for, we know this, that it's been 38 years since Christ died on the cross at this point. 38 years since the Acts chapter 2 outpouring. We know that if you study this clearly, that in Acts 6 verse 1 through 7, the apostles gathered all the people together and said, Look. We can't serve meals anymore. We can't take care of the widows and the poor. We need to raise up some men in our church that will do that. And we're going to call them deacons or trustees. And we know that Philip, like Stephen, was one of those. Right? So you know who he was? He wasn't a minister. He didn't have credentials. He was just a servant. And folks, don't you dare ask God to let you change lives until you're willing to wait on tables. Until you're, will- until you're willing to serve somebody. Are you still getting this? The Bible says, "Here's a man. He's sitting in his chariot. We know that he is the servant of Candace. Now, Candace uh, it was a princess, but understand, Candace is not like a, a name. In fact, it was it was a a dynasty of queens of the Ethiopian Empire. So, what that means is the woman's name was not Candace. It was kind of a description of her family. Okay, but what you have to understand is he's sitting there in a chariot. He's a servant." He's an Ethiopian eunuch, and he's reading Isaiah chapter 53. And all of a sudden, as he's reading it, this evangelist, this servant, this deacon, this board member comes walking up. What does it say? Now, the angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way, he meets an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, Queen of of the Ethiopians. Understand, Candace was a household. It's like the Shatzlines. It's like the cherries. Okay? Watch. It's like the Natarellas. It's a name of a family. And this man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. And on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah. We know that it's Isaiah 53, verse 7, where this is found. The prophet. And the spirit told Philip, go to the chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me, unless someone encounters me, unless someone loves me enough to walk through this with me, right? And so he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. He goes on to say, The eunuch was reading this passage of Scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter as a lamb before the shearer is silent or openeth not his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And the eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about? Himself or someone else? You're still with me, right? And he goes on to say, we know that all of a sudden, the Bible says that he explains who Jesus is. They say the sinner's prayer together. Next thing you know, they go down to the water and get baptized. And they're walking back to the chariot, and Philip disappears, the evangelist. Isn't that a typical evangelist? Blow in, blow up, blow out. All of a sudden, he's gone. But this guy had had an encounter. He had met The man was ready. He was sitting there. He was waiting. He prayed the sinner's prayer. He just needed someone to interrupt his day church. You've got to get this. Because the way you... One of my favorite shows is The Office. Have you ever watched The Office? (laughs) I don't know why I'm telling you this, but I love that show because if you ever come to the Summit offices, we have all those people in our office. But what's amazing to me is we get so wrapped up in our own little world that we forget who God's brought to us. When's the last time you just talked to somebody you didn't even know? Just got in their world for just a second. Now I've prepared you. Listen to this. Because I'm preparing you for God encounters. Write this down, number one. Talking about divine appointments. Every person you encounter is waiting on that moment or on their moment. It's one moment in time one shining moment one moment when have you ever have you ever seen the uh, the uh, NCAA uh, we stayed up on Monday night after Kansas beat Memphis and I stay up to watch the video one shining moment and Karen was about to go to bed and I said, no, 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 stay up. You got to watch this with me because it's like all the great shots all season. It's the tournament and it's the one shining moment where, where everybody is, is, is you're sitting there watching it and everyone's goal is to be the ones that are cutting down the net at the end of the, have you got that song? Play that song for me. One shining moment. Because I love that. I weighed all basketball season to hear that right there. To watch that moment. And then the last thing is those guys that are up there cutting down the net. Folks, what if we could make a video of what has happened the last year and a half here at the summit? This little church that has grown from nothing. That is working on a building. That is seeing people get saved every week. That is, oh, I wish you'd get excited with me. I want to get to heaven and rent the one shining moment video. Remember in John chapter 3? The entire scripture is about Jesus and Nicodemus. I know we always quote John 3, uh, 3, verse 15, uh, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. What happens? Nicodemus is a religious leader. It's late in the night. All of a sudden, he comes at night to see Jesus, walks up to Jesus, and this is what it says in verse 1. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. Now, this goes against rob bell and velvet elvis and some of the other movements that are going on out there that says hey everybody's already saved just got to wake up and realize it folks the, do you know that i can give i can tell you last night at 11 o'clock at the shafts house my five-year-old daughter abby gave her heart to christ for the first time i wish you'd get excited with me but we're having a family talk at 11 o'clock last night and i said abby have you ever accepted jesus no do you want him sure Then she raised her hands and went out in the spirit. No, that didn't happen, but but now watch. It was a very cool family moment. We'll write it in her Bible. We'll give her a date. A point where she accepted Christ and it was very real. In reply, Jesus replied, I to tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. How can a man be born again when he is old, Nicodemus asked. Folks, they're asking questions. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. How many moms would let their kid get back inside of them? It's just not going to happen. Not without having an, a postal situation happen. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to, fir- to, to, to excuse me birth of the Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. And he goes on to say the wind blows wherever it pleases. You may hear it sound but you cannot tell where it comes from. So it is with everyone born of the spirit here he is here's a man that walks up to him in the middle of the night he's a part of the religious ruling council yet he says there's got to be more there's got to be something better than just going to church just being part of a religious institution I want relationship Uh, can I tell you I have preached at places where I have had Sunday school teachers for years they've been Sunday school teachers come up and say to me I don't have a relationship with Christ would you pray with me so just because you go to church does not make you saved. Right? I mean, you know, 1 John 1, 5 says we walk in the light. Folks, don't be super holy. Don't be some zealot that scares people. When somebody walks up to you that's hurting, don't grab them by the hand and go, Oh, God! And do your God voice. Ha! God is here for you. Ha! What is it? It's like you're hawking up something. I watch people on TV and I'm like, do they talk to their kids like that? Clean the room. Ha! Oh. Dear, let's go to supper. Ha! Oh. Great hamburgers today. Ha! Oh. Man, is that crazy? I'm at work today. Ha! Oh. Would you like to buy this car? Ha! Oh. Anyway, can you imagine a... Uh, 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 coach Partridge, imagine coach Partridge, get out on the field, haw oh, hit somebody wouldn't that be cool? listen let's take off our facades and get real let's have pure intentions again let's go after the lost again. What do you mean when you get to heaven? how many people will say to you, I was waiting on you to tell me? I call it being soul conscious. Walking with souls on your mind. It has to drive you crazy. What do you mean? Folks, rejection is not personal. Well, I tried telling somebody about Jesus one time and, and they, they just they just pushed me away. They just said, Go away and, and now they treat me with disdain. Really? It's not personal. But you planted a seed reminded of the time we used to take timothy club out these are young men that were called in the ministry this years ago when i was a youth pastor and it became the forerunner school later on and karen had theta pi which is was a sorority for young ladies called in the ministry it was called it means godly young women in the greek and and we would take these guys and girls to the mall and, and we, they, we'd give them all this little Bible and they'd have this Bible kind of like it looks like a checkbook in their back pocket and we, we'd make them carry them for a year in their back pocket and to be able to minister to people. And I'll never forget we, we were going into the mall and all we did was just we called it short-term evangelism but we just said, hey, we just walk up to people and say, can I pray with you? All morning we're walking up to people saying, can we pray with you? And are like, no, leave me alone. And it was quite discouraging. And finally we're in a Sears department store And we walk up to this couple and we said, hey, we're we're from, we named our church and I said, can we pray with you about anything? And all of a sudden the lady starts weeping. And she said, did you see on the news a couple days ago when the lady got murdered and her kids were murdered by her husband? I said, yeah. She said, that's my sister. She said, "Uh, we're just here buying a washer and dryer because the kids that lived, we've got to move into our house and and we, we got to take better care of them. And, and she just collapsed in my arms. And we prayed for that lady. And she came to our church. Listen to me. Number two, it has to be personal. Pastor, this is boring. When are you going to preach about revival? When are you going to preach about outpourings? When are you going to preach about the gifts of the Spirit? Let me tell you something. I love all those things. But if we're not touching the law, folks, I want to be in an emergency room, not a plastic surgery hospital. Uh, you, you missed a really cool moment. I want to see people walking here. That and now, now I'm gonna I'm gonna prove something to you because number two, write this down. It has to be personal. What do you mean? Philippians two four. Each of you should look not only to your own interests but also to the interest of others. What is the book of Jude? It's one chapter. You ought to be able to read this. You can tell somebody I read a whole chapter today. Jude chapter one. It's the only chapter. Verse twenty two. Be be merciful to those who doubt. Uh oh snatch others from the fire save them and to others show mercy mixed with fear hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh you'll never win the loss by having programs you're never we're never going to win the loss by having events here in our church it will happen when people catch a personal revelation that goes beyond the building. They will all move. We'll all go to that next level when we take on an accountability that it's not about us. Freely, I've been given this. Freely, i got to give this away. i got to share this thing. I'm actually excited about it. It's cool. Now listen, if you're one of those really weird Christians who walk around going, oh, I'm saved. I don't have any, I don't have any, I don't have any joy. I don't, I've been saved for 30 years. Can you tell? No. No, I can't. Well, I am. Shut up. I am. Listen. What are you talking about? Folks, there's an accountability. To winning the lost that you begin to burn inside of you it isn't whether you're ready it's when you feel accountable that you will overcome all the fears that hold you back well I'm scared to talk to somebody don't talk to a stranger just talk to someone you're building a relationship with listen I could throw guilt on you I could say you should be winning the lost and you know what you could go out and maybe fail miserably make you feel guilty for not winning people to Jesus alright whatever it won't work it isn't until it becomes personal that you'll grab hold of a desire for the lost. I remember when you are growing up, you could put a glass on your table in your living room and it could sweat because of the ice and the water and you're like, I don't care. But when you own the house and your kids leave the glass sitting there and you just, every little ring of water that comes, or a little line of water that comes down, and when it hits the table, your wife can hear it amplified three rooms away. <laughs> and then what does she say she's got to always say I told you how many times have I told you don't leave a but kids are like what it's going to leave a ring on the wood see something changes when you own it something changes when you become accountable I mean when I was growing up I could walk past three foot high worth of garbage in my bedroom and it didn't bother me I was home but then when you own it, you actually pick things up, right? Isn't it cool when your kids start taking ownership? Please tell me how that works. Anyway. How many of you know Colossians 1 verse 15 says, He's the image of the invisible God. We are His mediators. We carry Christ in us. We are the living epistle. 2 Corinthians 2 verse 14, But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal pr- procession in Christ... Through us spreads everywhere the fragrance. listen of the knowledge of him, for we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing, to the ones who are, uh, to, to the one who are the smell of death, to the other the fragrance of life, and who is equal to such a task? Uh, unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ we speak before God with sincerity, like men sent from God number three, write this down, you've got to be available. I'm just wrapping this series up. We used to sing this song when I was in college. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. I spent nights in the upper room at the college that I went to, weeping. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Take my hands, Lord, and my feet. Take my heart, Lord, speak to me. I used to sing that song. Quote Psalms chapter 1. Ask of me and I'll give the nations to you as an inheritance. But then I got good at being saved and lost a passion for the lost. Ephesians 5 verse 1. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given Himself for us as an offering and sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. See, unlike the sheep that wanders off, when you really get a hold of this, you don't wander off because it's bigger than you. i reminded of the boy that walked up to me at a youth camp outside of a university. And some of you heard me tell about this. And he said, You preach tonight that I wasn't born gay. You preach tonight that, that if you're gay, and he's 16 years old, big burly kid, he said, You preach tonight that if you're gay, and this has happened to me over and over, guys and girls alike, 15% of this generation thinks they're born gay. It's a lie from hell. And the media is feeding that lie. And 1% of the population of America is controlling the nation's media. I I never promised you I'd preach politically correct. You understand that, right? But the boy walks up to me and he said, You preach tonight that I was not born gay. You've said it's a product of an act, a choice, or an environment. I said, That's right. He said, Well, three years ago I was molested by a man and I think that I'm gay. And when he spoke, his voice was feminine. And he's a big burly kid and he acted like he wanted to hurt me. He said, "Will you show me how to get free. And all of a sudden he starts, and I said, say you're a man. And some of you heard me tell this, but I have to tell it because it explains that you better be ready for an interruption. I just spoke at that university. I was exhausted. I was tired. I wanted to get to my hotel because I had a six o'clock flight out of San Jose and I just wanted to get home. And this kid grabs me and he says, tell me about your Jesus and tell me how I'm supposed to be free of this. And finally, I just said, say you're a man. He goes, I'm a man, but his voice didn't change. I said, say you're a man, but his voice didn't He said it, but his voice didn't change. So finally, he's on the ground, beating the ground. And I said, say you're a man. And he says, I'm a man, but his voice didn't change. He still, you could tell there was no freedom there. And I said, in the name of Jesus, you demonic spirit that has held on to his life, I cast you out. You let go of him, and I command you to go. Suddenly, the kid changed. His voice changed. It turned into a man's voice, and he stood up and began to cry out to God. Can I tell you? He's going into youth ministry today, completely set free. That's an encounter of a God kind. Don't bother me. Leave me alone. I've got my Christian t-shirt on. I got my Christian bumper sticker. I've got the fish. Yeah, martyrs. I passed a beautiful Cadillac the other day and on the back of the tag said, God loves to bless me. I tried to chase him down to get him to come to the summit. I did, didn't I, Karen? I said, Karen, roll your window down. She said, no. I said, we're getting him in the summit. Anyway. (laughs) Live a life of availability. Philippians 2, verse 12. Therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but how much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to His good purpose. Do everything without complaining and groaning. It's what it says. So that you may be blameless and pure, children of God, in a crooked generation. Which you shine like stars in the universe. I love that first part, verse 13. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Every moment is an opportunity to be used by God. Think crazy stuff. I've I begun to realize it's not by chance when I'm standing next to someone at a store. My steps are ordered. How many God encounters have we missed? How many people have worked in the cubicle next to you that you've never. Well, you know what? I. I, I I got to be politically correct. You know what? All you do is let them know who you are, and when they're hurting, they'll come to you. Corey Tenboon said it best about those moments. She said, Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. I'm almost done. Live a life, number four. You live a life that desires a deeper inquiry. You live a life that says, I want to know where this person is at. No more surface Christianity. Folks, it's exhausting when you actually believe you can change lives. You'll go to bed at night thinking about it and wake up thinking about it. You actually believe you offer a reprieve from the despair. In other words, be ready. How do you do that? Paul laid it out in his letter to colossians There's a letter that was written to Coloss. It's called Colossians. What does it say in chapter 4, verse 2 through 6? Devote yourselves to prayer being watchful and thankful pray for us too that God may open a door for our for our message God says I'll open the door for your message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should be wise in the way you act toward outsiders it says use wisdom when you go talk to somebody about Jesus use wisdom be wise in the way you, towards you, act, you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Okay, stop. Stop. Look right here. This is the scripture on how to witness. Everybody got that? This is your witnessing scripture. It says use wisdom. Salt it with wisdom. Don't walk up and be stupid. Ha! Come here, brother, let me lay hands on you. I tell you, we serve a God that is powerful. Dude, I would run from you. Okay, I'm turning over sacred cows. Folks, you are the commercial in someone's nightmare. You're the one that says, hey, hold on. You possess the power to change someone with one moment of time. One shining moment. You can walk up and they go, oh, dear God, I never knew that. I never understood the power of that. Listen to me. I'm closing. Your value system has to change. Write that down. What keeps you awake at night? Okay, now watch. Because most of us, when you think of the lost, you think of a poor destitute fella who's lost everything, broke, just needs somebody to tell him about Jesus. Can I tell you, I've met rich destitute fellas. I've met middle class destitute people. In fact, the more comfortable they are, the harder it is to reach them. What do you mean? The wealthiest communities in America are in Miami and New York, and they're Jewish. And we know that according to Second Corinthians chapter 4, that they've been blinded because Moses refused to remove the veil. Yet they don't know who the Messiah is. I've got a good friend, Rich Wilkerson, who passes in Miami. He lives in a Jewish neighborhood. He does everything he can. In fact, we went to eat at a Jewish restaurant, and I ordered a ham sandwich like a dummy. if you can screw up it's right here but what does it say in Psalms 49 verse 16 don't be overawed when a man grows rich listen I'm not going to chase rich people in this church do we believe that they have a Romans 12 gift absolutely but here's the problem with that most of us if they don't meet up to our social economic class would never tell them about Christ that's stupid. Rich, poor, it didn't matter. Can't carry anything to heaven but your soul and your spirit. Don't be overawed when a man grows rich when the splendor of his house increases for he'll take nothing with him when he dies. His splendor will not descend with him. Though while he lived, he counted himself blessed and men praise you when you prosper. He will join the generation of his fathers who will never see the light of of life. What do you mean? Change your value system. Yeah, we had a team go out and minister on the streets last night, and minister to some homeless guy. I talked to one guy that had a bullet hole in his leg, had been shot in a robbery. But that's not who we're just called to. I'm called to the spiritually blind. I'm called the rich and poor. We're starting um, this thing and, and we've been focused on the building so we haven't put a lot of time into it the last couple weeks but, but it's called Corporate Influencers and we're actually coming up with a, a better name for it it's, but it's how to t- touch corporate Birmingham. I love corporate guys. I love teaching leadership. I want to see the corporate guy that's hurting. For some reason that's who God puts in my life. I'm not a street preacher but I'll go sit on a plane with a corporate guy and lead him to Christ by the time we land. I know how to do that. Are you with me? Problem is our value system is we've never ministered to the rich. Man, let's go get some let's minister to the guy that makes sixty thousand a year. Just a middle class guy, forty thousand a year. You have to change what you consider lost. Quit being grossed out by the homosexual. Quit being grossed out by the guy that doesn't smell right, or the girl that's got a pretty rough past. They're deceived because you know what? Or the ones that are walking through deception. Because you're no different from them You just got Jesus in you He took a treasure And put it in a jar of clay There's three types of encounter That leads man to salvation And I'm closing right here Three types of encounters And I need to warn you that As we wrap this sermon up this morning I've not one time looked at my watch I don't know what time it is Because I feel almost like I'm not quite giving you everything I need to give you. So I've taught you about the loss. Told you they're out there. Told you they didn't get lost on purpose. Told you they're not dirty. Told you they're not filthy. We spend so much time trying to keep the saved saved. Hey, I don't mind if you come in here on a Sunday morning depressed or discouraged or defeated. That's what church is for. But there's a point where this thing's got to hit you. Three types of encounters that leads man to salvation. What's the first one? Hey, that's somebody's card. Bring it around here so they can put it on there. What does it say over in Colossians chapter 2 about your sins? I love Colossians. See, the first type of encounter is man to flesh, but what does it say Colossians 2? When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you life with Christ. He forgave us all of our sins, having canceled the written code. Everybody say, say written code. With its regulations, that's the law. When you should die, He took your place. That was against us and that, sto- that He stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing your sin to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Here you go, Jesus, this one fell off. Oh, my. Oh, is this ours? Did you drop this? But this is your sister and our nieces and nephews, our family. I'm embarrassed. You, we got sinners in our family. Ray and Ralph, it fell off at your feet. What do you think that means, honey, prophetically? I believe God's going to give us our family. That's why your sisters are coming to Jesus. How many of you believe that with me? Would you just believe that with me? That's so weird. It fell off the cross at my wife's, it's my wife's card. It's kind of like God smiled when we figured out what AOL means acts of love and anatomy of love. Anyway. Three types of encounters that'll change you. Maybe you haven't had an encounter, so you don't quite understand what I'm talking about. What's the first encounter? Man to flesh. This is when the end of yourself is the beginning of God. When you go, you know what, dude? I'm tired of the junk in my life. you got to wake up and not just hate what sin does to you, but you got to hate sin, right? Everybody with me? So the first encounter that ch- starts changing a person is when a guy is sitting in a bar, wasted out of his mind, and he goes, or oh, the guy in the car that just tried to rob Grandma, and he starts crying. Man, you have to come into conflict with your flesh why do we look at porn i can't stop looking at pornography you've got to come into conflict with your flesh say i'm done with that why have i just hit my wife why do i talk to my children like that why am i doing this or that it's it's the first encounter that changes a person god will allow a person before you get to them now listen to me this is the key to have this happen the man the flesh moment what do you mean second corinthians 5 verse 6 through 16 through 21 so from now, oh no, or, or excuse me, I'm sorry, Romans chapter 7 verse 18, let's go there. I know that nothing good lives inside of me. That is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good that I want to do, the evil I do, I, I do not want to do. This I keep undoing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it. A lot of do's in the Scripture. But it's sin living in me that does it. You have to come to a place where you want to change. It's the place where my dad was at when I was five years old when he got down on his knees in Detroit, Michigan. And all of a sudden, in that bathroom, he said, God, change me. God just changed me. Changed our whole family. What's the second encounter? Go ahead, go ahead and stand with me. he go jesus drop those i'm sorry second encounter that's what we've been preaching about ran uh excuse me man reaches out to man on behalf of god everybody with me yeah pastor this isn't like your war sermons or no this is real stuff here okay man reaches out to man on behalf of god 2 Corinthians 5, verse 16 to 21. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. You don't look at people the way the world looks at them. Oh, they're gross. Or, oh, he's rich. Or, oh, she's poor. Or, oh, she's dirty. Or, ooh 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 No. I don't look at them that way anymore. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he is in Christ. He's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. To reconcile means you are a party planner, you bring it all together. That's what the Bible says, right? We are therefore Christ ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. That's what he said. I can't do it without you, Pat. Paul said he chose the foolish way of preaching the gospel. Andrew introduced Peter to Jesus. This is the next step. They've run into their sin. They're sick of it. They're like, God, oh, i got to change. Then all of a sudden they go, hey, and you walk into their life and go, let me teach you that I'm God's voice. I'm not God, but He lives in me. I'm a temple. I'm not a shack. I took the for sale sign down a long time ago, and I have to tell you about Him. Now, this next one is heavy. This next one I need to warn you. Number three. When a man runs into his own sin and someone is there to greet them and help be Jesus to them, then number three happens. Hold on just a second, Pastor Eric. Because they're not going to get this. And then God reaches out to man. What do you mean? This is the moment you came here for today. This is what it's all about. You must have an encounter with God. And the reason why we don't win the lost is because we haven't had personal encounters in a while and have forgotten how it works. Patrick will tell you about an encounter he had back in September of last year that revolutionized his life from religious to crying out to God every moment. Now, I need to warn you, Patrick, because you've been youth pastor now for a couple months. Ministry can take that from you. You're still holding on, right? Because they're not getting it because they don't... They don't, hey, Jesus, they they don't see this, do they? You need to put some more blood on that. That's not enough. If we have an encounter with God, the world will come and watch us burn. If we'll catch on fire, they'll come watch us burn. Acts chapter 9, verse 3 through 5. Paul, all of a sudden Jesus is standing there knocks the mug off his horse. And he says, why are you persecuting me? And I love what I love. What Saul his, became Paul. Saul means well-known of men. Paul means of little or no stature. He would become Paul later. But all of a sudden, Saul looks at him and goes, who are you, Lord? <laughs> Isn't that a cool scripture? Anyway, I'm Lord. That's who I am anyway. You know what I'm reminded of? When a baby comes out of a womb, you know what I think a cry of a baby coming out of the womb is? I made it. Thanks. Don't leave me alone. I think that's what the cry is. The encounter. It's the Isaiah 6. Chapter five, he kept saying, Woe to you, woe to you, woe to you, five times. In the year that King Uzziah died. Study Second Chronicles 26, 16. King Uzziah got full of pride. He got leprosy because he tried to make sacrifice on his own. So in other words, in the year that King Uzziah died, King Uzziah was the cousin of Isaiah. It was his social security check. Isaiah goes in to a bomb shelter to become a launching pad. In the year that King Uzziah died, so in other words, in the year that pride died, I saw the Lord. I had an upward vision. He was high and the temple. The reason why the Lord's robe fills the temple is because any time a king defeats another king, they take that, oh, the king, they defeated the robe and tie it or sew it onto the, 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 the new king's robe. And that's why the glory of his robe fills the temple because he has conquered every other king that has ever lived. You're missing a moment. And then I said, Woe to me, I'm a man who is ruined, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty, and the angel came and burned his lips. He had an upward vision, and an inward vision. He said, I'm filthy, I'm dirty. And then God said, Who will go? And he said, Here am I, send me. It was an encounter moment. The problem with the church is we have quit having encounters. We know how to have church. We know how to get people in here. We know how to have events. We know how to play games. We know how to talk. We know, well, you're not quite deep enough for me, Pastor. Or, or, you know what? It's too deep for me. Or, or you're too excited. Would you just stop? It's not about what we do in here. All we are is stage hands. We are setting a stage for His glory. That His presence will walk in here on Sunday morning. And that's what changes a person. Where He says, I desire to be near you, Pat. I desire to hold you, Pat. I desire to wrap my arms around you, Pat. I desire to do something in you, Pat. There are times where I say, God, give me a throne zone experience. Where I can just get in your presence and get away from people. I want that we don't, 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 don't you dare go tell the lost about Him when you have not had an encounter yourself. Listen, folks, I've had enough of anointed preaching and singing. It's not changed anything. It's made us feel good about playing church like we played house as children. When is the last time you had an encounter where you felt God just say, Get on your face. Cry out to me. Where the flesh shuts down, like 1 Kings chapter 8, where the priest could not even speak, the Bible says. Like Moses. Remember Moses chapter... uh, Moses, Exodus 33? Where Moses says, God, show me your glory. What did he say? Moses, go hide yourself in the cleft of the rock. I'll tell you what we're going to do for you, Moses. I'm going to pass by. And as I pass by... Just for a second... And the Bible says that as God began to pass by, Moses leans out and gets such a revelation of seeing the backside of God that he is able to write Genesis, which is the beginning of God. He could write the first five books of the Bible. He could write where God had been because he understood that if you'll seek God from every side, he'll take you back to your beginning moment. Oh, you ain't getting this just yet, or you'd be excited. He was able to write the history of God and was able to write where God had been and what he had done. But folks, that's not just what I'm after. I'm talking about, I've been preaching for three weeks now on the anatomy of the lostness. I've been preaching for three weeks about winning the lost, understanding where you're at. Yes, there's so much deep stuff in here. I and preach this every minute of every day of every hour of the rest of my life and never even touch the unfolding of this word but you want to change history change a life but first it's man to flesh oh man i hate my sin man to man come on bro you can live it man you can be real you can you can come on i want to tell you about jesus But even that has to stop. And a close encounter of a God kind hits. Where you're standing there and maybe you start praying in the spirit. Or something starts happening to you and you're like, what's, what's? It's not just for teenagers. You guys know about the gathering? You heard about the gathering yet? Yeah. What would happen? Washington said you went and nailed all my sin to the tree I don't know why you did that for me I want an encounter with the king would you begin to cry out to God this morning an encounter an encounter it's not religious no more just an encounter an encounter man we were meeting with the city this week and getting report after report this isn't going to work they never pulled a permit first people that used it da-da-da. finally I just went home and I said Karen I just got to go pray that's what I looked at Karen I said I just got to go pray <laughs> pray or cuss which one are you going to do I prayed okay Because I can cuss with the best of them probably. Once you learn how to do it, it's hard to get rid of it. But I've learned how to just, instead of doing that, talk to Him. I want an encounter this morning. And if we can't have an encounter, we've missed it. You've come here in vanity. The glory of God wants to enter into this room right now. Change you. He wants to be in your bedroom tonight. Encounter. Close encounters of the God. Where I first saw the light And the bird of my heart It rolled away Lift your hands and worship It was there by faith I received And now Come on, lift those hands It's all right Oh, we say to you, Lord, at the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away, it was there, Lord. By faith I received my sight and now you can go. Sing it one more time and then we'll close. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light And the burdens of my heart rolled away It was there by faith I am happy Bow your heads with me We're going to do three things here Very quickly The first encounter that has to happen Is a man or a woman Has to encounter their sin All over this room If you have stuff in your life Sin to you may not be sin to me Oh no, 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 no Wait a minute pastor You're going to put some kind of Grating No, 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 no See I personally don't want To fail your spirit in my life And I believe it's sin When it comes into my life well, sin to you, the thing you may be dealing with is you may be dealing with anger or hatred or, or, man, junk that you've let in, secret sin. So we're going to have three encounters to prepare you to go out to have an encounter with someone else. Now, I need to warn you, when we get to number three, it's going to be hard to stand because the presence of God's going to hit your life. And the altar area is wide open. It's yours. You can come to it. Three weeks we'll be able to have church till midnight if we want. Shut your eyes with me. And right now, no one's looking around. Pray this out loud. Jesus, give me an encounter with the sin in my life. Anything that is not of you. Here comes, 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 on, here comes, here comes. the bird, rolled away it was there by faith now hold on, hold on keep your eyes shut, pray this next part wait a minute, let me do this how many of you say, no one's looking around pastor, I need God just showed me sin in my life that's got to come out. No one's looking. Raise your hand. Come on, it's all right. be honest. We're family. Yeah, a lot of hands have gone up in here. So say this. Now, here's the man-to-man part. God used me for that today, okay? So I'm going to tell you what to do. I play that role today, and after you get out of here, you'll play that role. Pray this out loud. Jesus changed my life Make me hate the sin and not just what the sin does to me. Make me sick in my spirit of the garbage in my life. Forgive me and change me. Now watch, because the Bible says that we will have prophetic giftings come on us, that we will be able to speak into the lost life that will change them. First Corinthians chapter 14. God is going to place things in you that you're going to have a knowledge and an understanding of the loss you never had before. Some of you are going to begin to flow prophetically. But the first thing we did, we hate our sin. Number two, we're now going to Him and having an encounter man to man. We had our encounter man to man this morning. Okay? Man to mano. But now here's the next part that I need to warn you. And Pastor Eric, if you just hold on just a second pray this next part Jesus come on church pray this Jesus I need an encounter with your spirit consume me now I want to run into you I want to awaken to your glory Jesus fill me consume me take me now His love is so wide, so deep, so high, so low. You can't get away from it. You're going to run right into Him. You know what? You could try to run from Him, and you're going to be miserable. I tried it. I want to tell you this morning as we close, this altar area is open. You can come get on your face. You can come cry out to God, because you'll never give an encounter away until you've had an encounter. It just won't happen, okay? Okay? can't go out on the streets until you run into a man on the streets. And then he'll say, hey, run over there to that guy sitting in a chariot. Evangelist, deacon, board member. He's reading Isaiah and he doesn't understand it. Go tell him about the lamb that was led to the slaughter that openeth not his mouth. Who his descendants cannot be numbered and matched. Philip. There's Phillips in this room. You're not getting this. Philip was a common person. He didn't have I don't think I carry mine anymore. I don't, sorry. Maybe I do. I bet Reeves does. He used to have a credential card. I've got it. I get it every year. I think I just throw it in a drawer, but anyway. He had no credential card. He wasn't somebody great. Just a guy that decided to clean tables. God took him to scrolls and then zapped him out of places and he would go to other places, like as something, I can't remember the name of As Tuka or something. But what would happen if you walked out of here with an encounter mindset? Your life would be changed. You walk through the schools, he'll let you hear the screams of the lost. Walked into work, the guy you never even thought you'd talk to, all of a sudden that guy, you're like, God's going, go tell him suicidal. Go tell him he's ready to quit. His wife's about to leave him. Go tell him. It starts with a personal encounter. This is your moment. I'm honored to be your pastor. If we get personal encounters every morning, he'll give you nighttime experiences to set the lost free. You don't believe it? Jesus prayed in the morning. People came to him in the night.